Welcome back to another episode of NYCFC Views. I'm Glenn Crooks. I'll be joined by Roberto Abramowitz in just a moment. New York City, by virtue of their loss to the New York Red Bulls in the League's Cup, they don't have another match until August the 20th when they play host to Minnesota United at City Field back in MLS play. We're going to talk about uh, the new players who have transferred in, although a majority of them are not yet available for training. They're not in the country. We'll talk about League's Cup with... Another wonderful night by Lionel Messi. And in our Kicking It Around segment, the Women's World Cup, or the World Cup, and uh, the U.S. Women's National Team no longer around. This is NYCFC Views. Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast. NYCFC Views. Collins approaches the shot, and New York City wins the first MLS Cup on their first try, and they're going crazy. New York City is the champion of Major League Soccer. The sickest New York City FC podcast. It's going to be sick. All right. Welcome back, everybody. Glenn Crooks, Roberto Abramowitz. Abramowitz? Hey, Roberto. It's hard. I get it. I I get it. It's not like like we don't know each other like for eight years or anything like that. Maybe I should just call you A-Rob. Was that your nickname? Because that's your email. Never. Why did you? Why is that your? Avarob. It's Avarob. Avarob. I always see it A-Rob. (laughs) Yeah. I don't no, know. Not not me. Somebody well, else. At the top here, we should uh, remind everyone that um, we would love for you to subscribe if you're watching this. But we also would like you to subscribe on Apple or Spotify or both as well. We're now available on those two podcast platforms. So you've got YouTube, you've got Apple, you've got uh, Spotify. So uh, uh, you you can't you can't like subscribe to one and then it covers all three. You have to go on separately. So we hope you'll do that and that will really help and, and also rate it. As Roberto has said in the past, make sure you subscribe and rate it and let us know what you think. Uh, give us your feedback on, on what we're doing here on NYCFC Views. I got that right, Roberto? You did. Commenting helps as well. And we, look, we'll, we'll, we'll take feedback, the good, the bad, the ugly. We'll, we'll take it all because we, we take it in. We take everybody's uh, analysis seriously, you know. And uh, I mean, if they ask, you know, Glenn, you know, color your hair or something like that. All right. That maybe we won't uh, well, go for it, too yeah. much or anything like that. But uh, Man, is it, it I can't is, grow anymore. It is what it is. It's Why am I grayer than you? Do you color your hair, Roberto? I'm curious. No, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> all right. The, the, well, this all this all this ugliness is is all natural. Okay. Well, happy to hear that. Well, face facelifts in order. Maybe that'll be our uh, reward someday. <laughs> no, we're not doing that. We'll get a little tuck, a little color, a little uh, Botox. No, I don't think so. No. So we're uh, we don't have a lot to talk about in terms of uh, game reports. Uh, we did a a post game from Red Bull Arena after the Red Bulls knocked off New York City one 0 on the Omir Fernandez penalty. That was all New York City could muster. I wonder, Roberto, as you are, are, have had a little more time to think about that game, uh, what you thought. I mean, my my um, I know we said it a little bit, but it was really uh, chances on goal. You know, shots on goal. There were in the one 0 loss in a regular year. It was just one shot on goal, and. It was really the same issues again in this League's Cup match. What do you think? Uh, you know, every single knockout game that they've had against the Red Bulls have all been in Red Bull Arena. They've lost them all, and by a combined score now of 9 to nothing. Um, you, you, you think uh, you can study this team and you can figure out ways to be able to, to break them down and to be able to get scoring opportunities, but it's a lot harder to do especially when you allow the first goal. I, I wonder if the game had gone on longer and then maybe Red Bull maybe has to, be, especially because they're at home, if they have to go up a little bit more, they have to, you know, and, and try to be a little bit more offensive, gamble a little bit more. It, it sort of reminds me of what wound up happening in the game that they played when New York City won one nothing in the regular season last year. And that was Tati Castellano's final goal. They beat them one nothing. And that was basically sort of what happened is that the Red Bulls finally had to 
you know, try to find a way to get a goal because it wasn't happening. New York City had defended so well in, in that game. And then that gave the opportunity for the break and Tati's clinical and uh, he finished it off beautifully for the goal and New York City got out of there with a one nothing win. So um, you, you would hope that with, uh, with Bakra there, that you have a, basically now a complete team as far as that's concerned, and that maybe something like that could have developed. But again, the Red Bulls just know how to play New York City. As they say, styles make matchups. And uh, the, um, the style that Red Bull is able to play, especially at home, uh, really causes trouble for New York City. That it does. And uh, so the Red Bulls move on. Uh, it, we're recording this on uh, Monday afternoon, Monday evening. This evening, they're uh, going to go uh, and play in Chester against the Philadelphia Union. And it's Carataro against New England. That's at Gillette. And Charlotte meets Houston Dynamo. That's all tonight. And then tomorrow, uh, Roberto Club America, Nashville. That seems like a fun match. Uh, to it is. Tomorrow's games are so much better than today's. Yeah. Uh, to Luka, they really Minnesota. are. Uh, Tigres Monterey, that's you know, oh, yeah, the all Mexican and LAFC Real Salt Lake, you know, two teams that are that are in good form, so um, yeah, yeah. and you know, Tigres can, I mean, it's a real good break for MLS teams that Tigres and Monterrey have to face off, and yeah. they're going to wind up selling out uh, the stadium in Houston if they haven't already because it's pretty close, it's a nice drive for Monterrey, nothing terrible. So, uh, Clásico Regio. Is going to be in Houston, and it's going to be freaking wild. If the Houston Dynamo don't find ways to be able to merchandise themselves and market themselves at that game to fans that don't normally go to their games, I don't know what the hell they're doing. I hope that they do, and they do it really well. That place better be painted orange in many ways so the Dynamo is able to promote themselves with all those fans that are there. A lot of them are going to be local that probably don't go to many Dynamo games. So maybe this will be something for them to find some incentive for them to uh, to go to those games. It's a really nice little stadium that they have pretty, there. I really pretty, like it. We were there this year. Yeah, pretty yeah, for a, for a 1-0 loss to Houston. Uh, the uh, It's pretty interesting. There's back-to-back games. It's Shell, it's Shell Energy Stadium, it's called. So Charlotte, Houston uh, tonight, and then tomorrow night, uh, Tigres, Monterey. Let's talk about the... Uh, the Tigris goalkeeper, can we? Because yeah. Who, who in the, uh, the so no. guess, they advanced past the Vancouver Whitecaps in the round of uh, 32. I think that was in a penalty shootout. And uh, the goalkeeper, Guzman, Nath, uh, Nahuel, how do I pronounce his first name? Nahuel. Nahuel Guzman. It was a 1 1 draw. Tigris wins 5 3 in penalties, but he put on a, um, he put on a show of, he, first of all, he pulled like a magic act. He pulled the, the, the string out of his his mouth and then made the save. And then the other one, he did like a mime thing, but he yeah. didn't save on that, on that kick. So one worked and one didn't, but they did win on penalties. So. You know, the funny thing is, is that I don't know if Thibaut Martinez started this, uh, the, goal, the goalie for Aston Villa who plays for the Argentine national team. And But do you remember in the World Cup, everything that oh, yeah. he did to try to distract yeah. kickers. And so, uh, you know, the players are finding new and different ways to try to uh, intimidate kickers into distraction and to missing shots. So, uh, I mean, he took it. It's, look, it's entertainment. I'm just have fun with it, mind you. So uh, it was a lot. It was a lot of fun. That was a fun game, by the way. You know, Vancouver, they fly so far under the radar because they're so far west and, and north. But they are a fun team to watch. They really, really are. Well, they're, and, coming, uh, they gave, uh, they're coming east to play in New York City. So Yeah, they are. Yeah, so I, I forget what the date of that was, but it's coming up. It, it is. But I love that stadium, by the way. And I hope that the Vancouver fans start coming back because they used to have 22,000, 23,000 all the time. Then they basically went into the tank and had some terrible seasons. Things didn't go very well. And now they get games where they got like 14,000 people there. And it's just sort of hard to stomach in a way how they've, you know, lost their fan base a little bit. But now, I mean, they really are a fun team to watch. And they give Tigres, who are the Mexican champions, mind you, they gave the, they gave them everything as far as uh, you know try to handle that game. They were ahead, and then a beautiful but beautiful bicycle kick for the goal 
um, by uh, Guignac, Guignac. André Pierre Guignac tied that game. And uh, it went back and forth. It was it was like a hockey game in a way. It was like back and forth, a lot of chances, a lot of fun, and uh, you know, good for Vancouver. They uh, they they played them. They played them dead even. It was good. It was good to watch. Guignac, uh, we saw him uh, front and center when New York City played Tigres, uh, and that yeah. was uh, that was Luis Barraz. Remember, that was his first start. I think it was his very first start, and it was a yeah. four, four nil match. A rough rough opener for. Uh, Luis, who is now, is who's the number one keeper? I mean, who do you, you had Matt Freeze play uh, the last two matches? Uh, he got a clean there sheet. Is against, none. He got he got a clean sheet against Toronto. For by the way, the clean sheet against Toronto that is, you know, I don't count that as as no, a well, he, as, he as a master class performance. I mean, come on, if Luis, no, Barraza, not, not but I'm sorry, but Luis Barraza, Glenn Crooks, or Matt Freeze, and at five foot four, even if I was in goal. I'd still would have gotten the clean sheet against Toronto. So I just want – I'd really like to be clear. Because the one shot that Matt had to save, it was right at him. So I could have had that one. You know what I'm saying? Well, <laughs> the, you would have probably had to jump, but that's beside the point. No, no. So, I would have been uh, – <laughs> But I'm I, yeah, I don't they, think... they had one shot. But by the way, give them credit for being in the right place at the right time as well. That's part of good goalkeeping, I, I, right? I, I, Making I, I, things look easy. Just, I'm not discrediting it other than to say Toronto was – Well, you are discrediting it because you're saying that you could have been in goal. Yeah, I could have. And, and you are discrediting it. That, that is literally what you're doing, actually. Okay. Okay, it's literally good. what you're doing. He got a shutout. I mean, it turned out hoping. that that is an important save because at that point the game is 0-0, and uh, he was wide open. Who was it? Petruza? Petrasa? I forget his name. Uh, yeah. But he was wide open on the back post and – you know, Matt Freeze was in the right place, right time, and it headed it right into his chest. So uh, good for him, makes the save, and then after that, uh, New okay. York City takes over let's and puts the, a flight spot on him. Let's get to what you were intimating. You, you think Freeze is the guy now? You're not even giving Barraza. No, I mean I, I think Freeze is a guy until until he probably makes a mistake or doesn't look really, really solid, and then Barraza gets back in. I mean, it's going to be like that. It's going to be that way the rest of the season, I think, because neither one of them has been able to establish that they're number one goalie. And here we go again. Now it's going to be Matt Freeze's turn. I mean, as long as he plays well, he's going to be fine. And we'll see how much of a – what is it? uh, A a chain he has, basically – you know, before he gets yanked, if he makes a mistake or not, which isn't good. Okay, think- that part I don't like because the, the point of that is you're sort of afraid to make a mistake because if you are, then you're like looking at the bench and seeing if that's going to be, you know, now all of a sudden next game you're not going to be there. You know, no. you got to be allowed to make a mistake here and there, right? Yeah, Although yeah, Barraza well- had made a few. Barraza made mistakes before the game. He yeah. b- before he, he was being yanked, as you would say, which I, I wouldn't use that word. And you know what? If if you know, especially the position of goalkeeper, if you're not mentally stronger than that, that you're concerned about a mistake and you're looking over your shoulder, then that's not the position for you. You should be uh, up. I agree. The, you should be the, at the forward line where if you make one out of five shots, you know that's like you know a world class percentage. You know where you. You could suffer a little bit up there with with mistakes, so I, I don't the baseball know. Baseball Mendoza line, <laughs> that, adding two hundred. Yeah, the Mendoza line. Well, listen, uh, slightly better than that. Look, look up the the great goal scorers of all time. Their percentage is like yeah, no, I know it is a- absolutely. And look, I don't think that I mean Barraza and and Freeze both have been okay for most of this year, and in some points, both of them have been very good. So I think that there's great potential between both of them. And, you know, n- none of them have really gotten – this is their first year really trying to start. So, yeah. you know, you, you got to give them a chance. They're both, you know, youngish for goalies especially. You got to give them a chance to grow. They're going to make mistakes. This is part of it. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll see where it goes. I think both of them are going to wind up getting better. They have, you know, great uh, – uh, coaches or Robert Tugin is you know one of the top coaches in, in this league without a doubt as far as goalie coaches are concerned aside from set peace coaches uh set peace coaches as well I mean he's been helping out with the U.S. men's national team as well because he's good and so they're they are going to develop yeah, they are going no to get better that. and I don't, they're in uh, they're in really good hands I think you got to name one keeper the rest of the way here's here's the problem if and if my uh if my broadcast partner was here, a former central defender, I'm pretty sure he'd say the same thing. 
you don't want a different goalkeeper in there all the time. You you need some consistency because whoever's behind you, you've got one that's got um, I think very good feet, and then you've got one that has very average feet, which is one of the reasons I was a little, and I said this post game. But I was a little surprised that Freeze got the start because of how they wanted to build out against this chaotic at times pressure from the Red Bulls when Luis Barraza, you know, is is better with his feet right now. I mean, he just is. He's got better distribution skills than Matt Freeze against a team that you know might cause more issues. I, there weren't any disastrous moments, but there were yeah. giveaways, and uh, you know, there there was there were some massive struggles at times for Matt who, you know, he was uncomfortable at times. Um, so it's hard, you know, you, you never know, but I'm telling you right now, if there's 10 games left and Barraza gets four and freeze gets six or vice versa, I'm not particularly comfortable with that as a, as someone who's in front of them as a Chanel, as a Martins in particular, that's, that's, so, I think so, it, so, so let, let me ask you this, and this might be a tough question. I have my answer, but I, I'm curious about yours. Who do you really think is a better goalkeeper between uh, between? Okay, so we can almost go. We can change this around a little bit. We can say who's a better shot stopper and who's a better goalkeeper in general. Do you want to answer it that way? I honestly, Roberto, I haven't seen enough of Matt Freeze. I think to really give a fair evaluation. I think he's had three. He's he's appeared three times for New York City. Uh, I think one of them was particularly shaky. Uh, and the other two were pretty good, uh, you know, not, you know, nothing disastrous. And um, so it's, I think it's hard from that standpoint. If I, right now, based on what I've seen and what I know, I think Luis Barraza has to be your keeper the rest of the way. And um, barring, you know, if barring something where, you know, you just feel like he just, it's just not tenable at that moment because he's just, you know, mentally shot or something. Outside of that, uh, I think you have to name one. And whoever um, whoever Nick Cushing and Rob Vertugian choose, I think it needs to be said to them, starting with the Minnesota game, it's yours the rest of the way. I don't want you looking over your shoulder. I don't want you blah, blah, blah. You know. So if it's Barraza, yeah. If it's Freeze, boom. But whoever it is, it's, they, should have that, they should have it the rest of the way. Hey, I, I, I'm leaning with you. Yeah, I'm, I'm leaning with you because I think that he gives him a better shot to win every game. Although the mistakes that he's made and the shakiness that he's shown, which got him benched, basically, uh, obviously don't help. But, I mean, we, we've seen him make, you know, great saves as well. And uh, th there's a clear advantage of having him play the ball with his feet. He's very, very good at that. I mean, we were talking about uh, during the game, Right in post game, we were talking about the fact that there was one point when Tiago Martins uh, had a free kick in his own box, and he's trying to play it to Matt Freeze, and Freeze is sort of like frozen on the line. Sorry for the pun. Freeze is frozen. Come on, <laughs> <laughs> it was unintended, but it just came yeah. out. And as I'm saying it, I'm like, oh god, this is punny. Brilliant. So um, that hence the apology. But uh, and so. And you could see him getting really, really agitated. And then you had to see Maxime Chanot come in and, and, like, and, and talk to Matt and say, hey, everything's okay. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. You know, get it out of your head. You know, that, that was problematic. But, and, and part of why with Barraza, I think that the defense may feel more comfortable, especially because he's superior with, with his feet. So, um, but I don't know how Nick is going on this. It's sort of hard to take a guy out who has allowed no goals from the run of play in 180 minutes. And the only goal he did allow was a penalty kick. So that, in that sense, it's hard. But if you're starting it, but if you take a step back and look at the overall situation, I think that you, you basically have to go back to Barraza. Well, it'll be interesting to, uh, to see, uh, who is chosen and whether that does happen, that they just get the last 10 games, 10 games left in the regular season. We've heard from some angles that seven wins is necessary to, uh, to come up with the amount of points. that is generally the amount of points that you need in order to qualify for the playoffs. It's nine to go. Can we, can, can we, can we stop that for a second? Just win your next game. And then just win your next game. 
Stop about looking about, oh, my God, seven out of ten and this out of that. Do the math if you want after every game. Just win your next game. Don't worry about it. If you keep, if you just all right, do what you're supposed to do, and win, just win. That's all, right. all. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about the math. Win. All right. New players who uh, Nick Cushing hopes will uh, be integrated and, and help the team over this last uh, little less than a third of the season. Uh, Julian Fernandez, the 19-year-old winger. Uh, Alonso Martinez, the uh, Costa Rican uh, winger. And Andres Perea, the uh, the number eight, uh, who's on loan from Philadelphia, and uh, and then also we'll bring up Burke Risa. So just as an update, neither Fernandez nor Martinez nor Risa, as of this recording, has landed in New York. So therefore, they are not training. Martinez was at the game at the Red Bull game, uh, but he was just he came in as a visitor and then is back in Costa Rica trying to get his paperwork completed. So, you know, you've got a couple of weeks until that next game against Minnesota, and you need preparation time as well. So that's where those uh, players stand. Andres Perea, uh, he's been training with the team for two weeks. He would have played in Leagues Cup if he was permitted to, but he couldn't, Roberto, because uh, he uh, he had played with Philadelphia in Leagues Cup. So before we comment on Perea and the rest, I wanted to uh, – this is before the Red Bull game, part of my pregame show with Nick Cushing, and he talked uh, about Perea, and this is our conversation. be someone you uh, think of highly, I would think. The way I understand it, it's just alone till the end of the year. That's just 10 games because he's not eligible for the League's Cup since he's already participated with Philadelphia, and 400K GAM to Philadelphia. So tell us how you think he's going to fit in when he's eventually ready to go. <laughs> Um, a guy that I really admired at Orlando, a guy that my goalkeeping coach, Rob Vartugian, has known previously through national teams and national te younger national team tournaments. Um, he went to Philly this year and hasn't figured a, a, a lot. And, you know, a guy that we have on the radar as a number eight that will, you know, challenge Keaton Parks and, and James Sands and Alfredo Morales and Justin Hack to play in our midfield can play in a 4-2-3-1 with Santi as a 10, can also enable us to play 4-3-3 with a midfield of Sanz, Pereira, Pereira and Keaton Parks, which is a real, you know, out-and-out -out midfield to allow Santi and Julian and, you know, Mateus Pellegrini and Tales and these guys to be a little bit freer off the sides. It gives us, it gives us you know, flexibility. I think the one thing Andres brings is he has a different profile of midfield player. Yeah, he has technique but he also has real physicality and a real physical ability to get around and get the ball back and break play up. So, uh, you know, I, I get the impression that uh, Nick really likes him. At that point, he had seen him train with the team too, Roberto. So my expectation is we're going to see a little bit of and Andres Perea. Based no, I on think that. so. I think so. Um, I always liked Andreas. I mean, he played really well. For, for me, he played really well for Orlando to the point of where he was actively recruited by uh, U.S. national team. And then finally was uh, he he played for the U.S. national team. I think he was in a qualifier in Guadalajara um, that the U.S. sadly wasn't um, successful in getting to the uh, Olympics. That was the Jason Christ team. Uh, that was just so weird how that team was built out. But I thought he was one of the better players that uh, showed for the for the national team in in, in that uh, in that camp and, or that uh, in that tournament. So I, I always like him. I'm sad that it's only like a loan towards the end of the season. I don't, for what I had read, it wasn't like an option to buy. Hopefully that's not accurate, and maybe they can figure out a way for him to stay here past. Uh, the end of the season and uh well you know we'll see what happens but he's a definite addition to midfield creates a lot more competition at midfield and while i was watching that it made me think of something and i want to i want your take on this what happens to richie ledesma in all of this because it's it's almost like you know um if the does he push richie or does he push richie out no i, I the when he talked about Santi playing the 10 in a 4-2-3-1, you know, the absence of Richie Ledesma being mentioned there, I, I think, I don't know if it's significant, you know, that's also sometimes off the cuff and you, you want to mention a player and you don't, I don't want to hold that against yeah, Nick. That, I, you know, I agree Ledesma, with that. Ledesma wasn't mentioned, but 
Um, Santi was as the 10. And one thing I remember um, in, in my early talks with Nick about, about Ledesma, I mean, he really sees him more as a 10. You know, he, he feels that's yeah. his best. And Ledesma, he's desperate to, to build a relationship with uh, Bakrar, you know, and he felt like that was coming along in the minutes that they shared together um, in, in a recent match. So uh, one of the three matches uh, that Monsef has played. So I, uh, I agree with you. I'm not sure. And then, look, I, let's talk about these other guys when they get here. But when they do, Fernandez and Martinez in particular, you do, you do have a lot of similar type players all competing for, well, similar minutes, I guess. So I, I think it's, um, it's going to be a challenge. But as a coach, you, you love having those kind of options. So, you know, you I'm, are. Whoever score, whoever starts scoring goals is not going to be taken out of the lineup. If Tyler Magdo all of a sudden starts filling the back of the net, he will be in there the rest of the way. If Fernandez comes in and is assisting and scoring goals, you know, it, if he gets two goals and an assist in his debut, it won't be the last time we see him. But uh, we no, just have to, we have to wait. Which is what it's the big problem the team has had. And it puts more pressure on the defense because now they need to be perfect or if not, they're going to lose. So they, it, it, it helps. If you start scoring goals, then it just makes it easier for everybody. And uh, that has been the big issue of this team. No, so let's you know, start- forget about the uh, game against Toronto. Yeah. Let, let's wrap up a uh, league's cup with, with Messi. Uh, it, you know, we, we have, you know, it's, we can't left it unsaid, even though I think a lot has been said since last night's game, but a- another brace, he's got seven goals in four matches and three assists. He's got two yeah. free kick, two late free kicks, one to win a game, one to tie it, which is eventually one in penalties. Uh, and both free kicks were taken. One was, you know, over the wall to the right one was over the wall to the left uh, and it was perfection. And uh, I, you know, I feel so bad for Marco Farfan this morning because. Oh, God. But I don't know. I think he might. Was there a moment where he thought he was attacking the goal? That was an attacking I header. I, I, I don't. I really would love to. I, I didn't see if he had anything to say after the game last I, night. I don't think he did. I, don't think uh, I mean, any... it is a horrific, horrific moment for him. Um, own goal off of a I mean, it's free own kick. Goal. Yeah, if you have yeah. a cool pop a messy free kick, and it's just it's one of the most incredible own goals you'll see. I mean, yeah, it's really. just it really looks like. I mean, you know, I presume he's trying to put it up over the bar, but I mean, yeah. he just like just and and defenders normally. I mean, but he's not very tall, mind you. But defenders normally head up in a way, even when they're attacking yeah, the goal. Angle, yeah, you know, even when you're going offensive, you're always you're heading it up, and that's always a thing. You know, forwards yeah. head down, yeah. you know, defenders yeah, yeah, head up. Yeah. Boy, he nailed that one. <laughs> it was just – it's horrific. So I mean, I, I, I really feel for him. I so really you, feel for him. That you said bad. before we started recording – so you the, so now there, of course, is this highlight package. Um, I did not see the full match, I must admit. Uh, I share uh, – Oh, I did. Keaton Parks and I great. share one – Keaton Parks and I don't share the physique part, obviously. He's 6'3", and I'm 5'4", but uh, we do share the same birthday. So I kind of put my oh. phone aside, and I did not um, I did not do anything yesterday. Uh, happy soccer happy birthday, bit. Glenn. Well, thank How you did I much. not know it was your birthday? I don't know. You, so you, have you caught up to me already? You're actually – well, maybe that's the problem. You don't, <laughs> you don't want to acknowledge it because you want me to catch up. Uh, I, uh, so I've only seen, you know, I see, I saw some of the match, watched it back and saw the highlights, but you said how many people had watched the highlight package? The highlight package, which is like eight minutes is already, is already seen by over 2.5 million people (laughs) for a game that was played last night. Yeah. This messy guy brings interest to MLS, no doubt, but here's the thing about the game. Okay. Can I just say one thing? I, I watched somebody created a two minute and 57 second package of just messy. And it really is. It really is incredible. I mean, he he nearly he chipped a keeper at one point. Dallas had somebody uh, stationed at the back line. On the but line, that was yeah. unbelievable too. I mean, yeah. But go ahead. The, the 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 creativity and the talent together is just ridiculous. I mean, it really is. I mean, but the thing is, is that now everybody say, oh well, he's doing it because MLS defense is crap. Okay, we understand that MLS defenses are not at the level of the top five leagues in the world. 
this is a top 20 league in the world and maybe and it's growing and it's going to get better and it's going to you know be creeping up there because that's what this league has always been doing since Beckham got here all right and so it, that that will always increase and that we, it will get to be a top 15 league at some point and hopefully you know it will get better all right but he was doing this to top 5 defenses in the league okay he was doing this to real madrid he was doing this to uh, you know, to uh, Atletico de Madrid. He was doing this to everybody in Champions League. This isn't new, okay? Of course, he's going to have more freedom to do it here because defenses aren't as good as... If they were that good, players on defenses here, they'd be playing in the Premier League and they'd be playing in the Spanish League and they'd be playing in Bundesliga, right? But they don't, okay? There's just X amount of room for players in those leagues, especially in the top teams. But, you know, what they don't tell you is that when they were playing the really bad teams in, you know, in, in either whoever they got in Champions League, which sometimes happened when they got a team from, you know, the, the, the one team that happened to qualify from Austria or from, I, I don't want to demean Turkish soccer, mind you, but let's say, okay, or something like that, you know, versus, you know, playing, you know, the Atletico Madrid every year. But, you know, when they were playing, you know, teams like Real Sociedad, and uh, Aibar and things like that. Trust me, he had he had space in the box, okay? So stop the MLS bashing for all of the people there. Just enjoy what you're watching. Enjoy the fact that you've got one of the greatest players of all time, the greatest player right now in the moment, and enjoy him. This is just, it's been given to you. Just enjoy it and stop we know, um... everything. We know Apple TV and MLS are enjoying it. That's uh, oh my God, they are. They, they are. But uh, the goals have been fantastic. The movement off the ball has been fantastic. Yeah. You know everything he's doing. The passes. Oh, it's like you, even in Kromaski's goal, the pass to Jordi Alba right at the end line. You know, right into space, and so that Alba knows where the ball is going, and it's going to have the right speed and the right spin, and it's going to have everything. And Alba reaches it right in time and puts it back, and Kramaski gets there and scores. I mean, that's a brilliant goal. But these are guys that know each other and not only can think about the play, but can execute the play. And so, and, and they're going to execute it at a high level, at a much higher percentage than most players in not only MLS, but most players in the world. And that's the difference. It isn't that you can't make that play, but how often can you make that play? And it, with them, it's a hell of a lot more often than anybody else. And so that's what's going to make a huge difference. It was a fantastic event to watch last night. There were crazy goals. There were two own goals. There were great plays. There were bad plays. There were exciting plays. You know, Jesus Ferreira, when he was on a roller coaster of a game, he made so many good plays, and then he had so many opportunities to score that he absolutely wasted. He had an open header that he put wide. He had a breakaway that he allowed himself to get caught from behind. You know, there, there were those things. It was the up-and-down performance, but it made for a crazy, exciting and unique event. And the great thing about this for MLS last night, and maybe it was done on purpose, it was a standalone game. It was the only game on MLS season pass last night. I'm, it's a well, shame I'm, that it wasn't on anything else, so more people could have viewed it. But yeah. I guess it's their way of saying, hey, you want to see the show? You want to come to the circus? Well, you got paid. Four to four, the final, and then it went right to PKs, and uh, Messi converted his PK as well, just for the record. And uh, in fact, Miami scored uh, all their uh, PKs. And uh, FC Dallas supporters, that story is kind of interesting. Uh, we have our group text, and what showed up on the group text last night, uh, I didn't see it till this morning, though, was this um, this uh, FC Dallas supporters uh, protesting the increased ticket prices for the Messi match. I guess that's what the thrust of it was. What, right? Well, but it's, so, so it's so it's part of it. So what wound up happening was that in the, they have some official supporters, and for people who buy season tickets and sit in the supporter section, they got a discount. Okay, but because FC Dallas doesn't sell out all of their games, sometimes it's a lot cheaper to buy tickets on the secondary market. And so a lot of the supporters, instead of buying season tickets, were just buying tickets per, per game because at the end of the day, they probably wound up saving a little bit of money. So those people that did that 
wound up getting excluded. Even though they're official supporters, but, but because they didn't have season tickets, they wound up getting excluded. I and see. therefore they could they had to buy tickets like, yeah, all right. Well, you're buying them you're buying them on StubHub or Ticketmaster yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Well, now you gotta go there and tickets there were close to four hundred dollars. So you gamble, you lose. I feel for them. And maybe they could have done something to say, hey, well, you know, we're gonna include you. But Messi doesn't come in very often. So Sorry to say, you know, it happened. September the 30th, still looking forward to that. I'm uh, wishing uh, Messi and Busquets and Alba good health. Uh, that's when New York City will play uh, at Inter-Miami. Uh, Tati Castellanos scores a goal in a friendly for Lazio against Girona. G- Girona wins the match 2-1. Girona, his former team. Neymar announces uh, today uh, that we're seeing all the reports. He hasn't made an official announcement that uh, he has told PSG he's not coming back. And so now uh, I saw your tweet, Roberto, and uh, about you know MLS. Uh, are, are you uh, you know are you awake to this? And um, and we we have seen things Neymar to uh, New York City, you know, somewhere in the past. Whatever Twitter can throw up there, whatever they like, and yes, some are reliable can. and some are not. So uh, so, so let's uh, talk about that for a little bit. Well, he's not going to go. He's not going to Miami probably because they can't. They can't find any more room. They, 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 plus, I mean, plus Messi, the amount of well, Messi's unfair play there would be ridiculous. Okay, plus there's Messi no benefit to the league. Even if By they the had way, the they, money, Messi doesn't want him. But go ahead. Oh, I'm not too sure about that. I think that they're friends. I think that he would want them. Uh, I disagree there. But here's the thing, is that you, there's, there's no more juice to squeeze out of that orange, if you don't mind that pun being from uh, being from the orange state, mind you. Um, it's it, it doesn't make any sense for him to go to Miami because it just you can't, you can't fit any, anybody else in there. Um, it makes sense for the league to be able to have him someplace else. Is New York an ideal place? You bet your butt it is. And uh, I know that in discussions that we've had, this is doesn't fit the profile of player that New York City looks for. But they have to look at it. Glenn, they've got to look at it. They can definitely afford it. They can see what's happening in Miami. Okay, the level of interest that has increased because of this, okay, and not only in the league, obviously in the team, people are now lifelong fans for the last three weeks of Inter Miami. Just think of it that way. And so, Me- Neymar, aside from Cristiano Ronaldo and maybe Mbappe, okay, are the last names out there that can have this sort of impact. Okay, and if you can bring Neymar to New York City, okay, it's going to be wild. It, it it's going to be almost as wild as what you're seeing in Miami, because he, like Messi, it's not just about attracting Argentinian fans. He Messi attracts fans from everywhere, and Neymar is the same way. It's not about, oh, well, let's look and see what the Brazilian demographics are in the New York City area and see if that makes any sense. It doesn't matter because if you're a soccer fan that that grew up anywhere and you're from whatever country, the opportunity to see Neymar on a weekly basis in your city or biweekly, okay, is absolutely enticing. And by the way, New York City can fit a lot of people into City Field. They can fit a lot of people into Yankee Stadium. And they can fit a lot of people into the air one remaining game at Red Bull Arena, although it says for now there are two, but it's going to wind up being one because both the Yankees and the Mets right now are in big trouble, especially the Mets. So that's good news for New York City. But it also means that he's 30 years old. Okay. Think of this. He's 30 years old. You can squeeze four or five years out of him, if not maybe even more, all right, which now puts you into a timeline for the building of the new stadium. 25,000 seems really small. I've always thought 25,000 was small for this stadium. I always said 32 because I think that they can fill 32 if they market properly. By the way, if Neymar comes here, I bet you 32 is going to be at least the minimum. uh, It has to be. Your broadcast partner, Ariel Hudas, doesn't agree with you regarding 
and we, you know, he's part of our uh, tech set. I don't yeah, think he I know. Me. He doesn't. He wouldn't mind me sharing the fact that he thinks Messi's a, a disaster in the locker room, which. You know that's that's a tough way to start. I think every everything you said is understood from a business standpoint, but from a pure sporting team standpoint, it it's it's difficult. I'm not saying he wouldn't you know help push a few more goals across the line. Of course he would. You know, I mean, you know, you got that kind of talent. But is it worth Fanny's it? And eight. and for David Lee, for David Lee, the sporting director, unless he's changed his tune, and unless City Football Group has changed their tune in regard to New York City FC. Because we've heard Farron Soriano also say the same thing uh, within the last year on a uh, webinar that he and David w- uh, were on with Taylor Twelman. And it looks like we're going to have a chance to speak to David Lee this week also. And, and this will be a question certainly to be asked. Unless he's changed his tune, he's not, they're not going after Neymar because that's not the philosophy any longer. But remember that the, there was a caveat in all of that? Do you remember that there was a caveat? No, what which caveat? Was, which what was, was well, there are two players that uh that may that might make us change our mind. <laughs> well, what what and was it, one of them? And, and it was Messi and Ronaldo. Ronaldo. Well, Messi why wouldn't there be three? Yeah. Why all wouldn't right. there be three? Because the asterisk can get know. a little bit bigger. Maybe there's a little bit more of an honest effort with those two versus the other guy, but I, you know. Well, also, the thing is, Glenn. I guess Magda would be happy. Impact. Oh yes, huh? well, yeah. but I mean, once you see the impact that Messi has had in the league, okay, what he's not only done for Inter Miami, but he's done for the rest of MLS. Once you see that impact, it has to start changing things. You can't just just stay with the way you thought after viewing that and viewing how this has now become an absolute phenomenon. And then all of a sudden an opportunity comes out there and you have a player of almost the same magnitude. It's not the same magnitude, but it's almost the same magnitude. And you actually have a chance. Now the the bigger problem, right, is that Messi came on a free and Neymar is a has a contract to 2025. So that means somebody's got to buy him. All right. Unless Neymar wants to buy himself out, you know, that's a different story. Uh, but I don't know if that is actually something that can happen. But somebody's going to have to pay PSG, which makes it all of this a little bit more pie in the sky. But you've got Apple that for what for anything that we would know would absolutely be interested. You have MLS, which absolutely would be interested. And you have a team in New York City, and I come back to this, the number one market in America, which probably makes it the number one market in the world, okay, where the team has room for growth as far as relevancy is concerned. And it's got a ton of room for growth. And you have a community, not only of Americans, but an immigrant community that immediately, all of a sudden, would be focused on this team because you cannot have somebody like Neymar and not pay attention and not want to know everything that is going on. And it forces every newspaper, including the Spanish one, El Diario freaking doesn't cover NYCFC, which is nuts, okay? And the Post and the news and even the, you know, world famous New York Times that, you know, doesn't really cover anything local anymore, but everything is a worldwide view. Even they have to come in now because Neymar does that to you. So at least, at well, least the first get him a place in the Hamptons, get him a helicopter, let him go and, you know, and after practice, go out there, whatever you want to do. But. You know, from a marketing standpoint, it is okay. the easiest, is, think, is the easiest, quickest path to market this team. Okay. It's a huge investment. But if the league helped Inter Miami, Apple helped Inter Miami, you know, um, then you've got to see what kind of help you can get to get somebody like him here. I, to me, I understand the locker room issues and it's a big deal, mind right. you. It but no, really is. Are, but no, I, I like the idea. All right. That's obvious. And uh, I think the points are, are, are well taken. I just, I still don't think it's going to happen. But maybe uh, somebody should put a, uh, 
a, a trail on Don Garber, see if he's going to the airport with a Paris ticket <laughs> to see to to meet with Neymar and get him over here uh, for someone. Galaxy, maybe you know. But if he likes to be no, Ariel, no, he wants no, to be here. He's here. All right. Well, hey, he could also live in the Jersey Shore. It's a beautiful spot. It doesn't well, have to be I know that you've got I, I know that you've got a little guest house over there and you know while he settles you know while he he's settles got, he's in, always he, got a know, place he can be stay. your guest. He's always got a place to stay. Uh let's um all right, before we close this out, uh we've we've got this feature. Roberto, let's kick it around. Let's kick it around. So the investment the, in this show, Glenn, uh, it's, the, the investment in production in this show is just going through the roof. It's just based on all the, you know, subscribers we've gotten now. And now we've got, you know, a little bit more that we can throw into the production of the show. It's, it's right. just pretty it's it's pretty amazing to see the growth. It is based on subscriptions and the subscriptions are free, unlike the Apple TV or, uh, you know, Ouch. or Paramount Plus or, or uh, NBC or whatever else. It's called Peacock. Peacock. I have Peacock. I have all of them. I ha Believe me, I see the bill every month. I, I have all of them, yes, including the music ones. And oh, my goodness. But I have them all. It's the world we live in. I guess I'm glad I have them. But. Uh, the, uh, and on that Peacock app have been uh, a lot of the uh, World Cup matches uh, from Aus Australia and uh, New Zealand. And the sad news for the U.S., U.S. Uh, women's national team um, eliminated by uh, Sweden in penalties after really playing their best match of the tournament. They really turned it around. But you mentioned earlier we were talking about keepers and the tactics they use in the penalties, you know, to try to distract the shooter. Well, the Swedish keeper did the same thing to Kelly O'Hara, and O'Hara hit the right post outside of the right post. It was really a you know a poor penalty; she didn't really come close. And uh, the keeper delayed, they came back, and then went back for some water, and she had to reset the ball a couple of times. And I guess you do um, whatever you like with it. But what was really interesting. I've mentioned this guy before. His name's Gair Jordet. He's a researcher, but he's a soccer guy, and he does research on penalty kick shootouts. And I, I know I've mentioned to you, this to you before, Roberto, because he worked with Ronnie Dyla. They're both Norwegian. So when uh, Ronnie was at uh, Veleranga or Stromsgads at one or the other, uh, this guy met with the team and met with Ronnie, and they were talking about penalties. And also vision, he does stuff with vision. So he, Ronnie used some of his tactics to beat Portland. Uh, in the penalties in 2021. But one of the individual things, and if you look back, and I did this, I went back and looked at the penalties, the players that put the ball down, took a deep breath, and then exhaled, stepped back, and took the kick, all made theirs for the U.S. The ones, Rapino, uh, Kelly O'Hara, Sophia Smith, that all missed, they put the ball down, they took the deep breath, and then they waited uh, longer than they normally do. And and what Gaier did on, on Twitter as well is he did facial things and he said attention in their face. So he's a guy that really studies every aspect of penalties. But those three did different things than the other three, and he felt that it contributed to, uh, to their misses because they were misses. The keeper didn't make one save. Didn't make one save. I mean, the keeper was fantastic. Uh, during the game, because right. she saved, right. she saved their hide. I mean, poor Horan. I mean, she's got to be, you know, feeling awful about you know the saves that they she made on her because I thought she played really well. She, to me, she was you know the best player for the U.S. Uh, during the game, except for maybe Trinity Rodman, who played what was it sixty minutes, and she was she wasn't healthy. She was sick, and so they had to take her. They had to take her off, but they got a really good sixty minutes out of Trinity Rodman in that game. Uh, yeah, it's it's really a shame she didn't have to make any saves whatsoever uh, because it was either two balls that went into the sky and another one that hit the post, and uh, it was after uh, the U.S. goalie was you know made two great saves too. Yeah, listen there, really, um, she had a fantastic game. You know, there was yeah. She didn't have to come up with the spectacular saves, but it's how you control your area sometimes that you you want to evaluate a goalkeeper at the end of the day. By the way, 
one of the things that became very interesting to me was that the U.S. during the entire four-game tournament for them, they allowed what was it, one goal, and only two shots on goal during the entire tournament, and we <laughs> and everybody thought that defense was going to be, you know, maybe the weakest, the weakest point. I mean, I was always afraid of the offense. I thought that the offense had the most talent, but they didn't know how to put it together. For some right. reason, they just weren't coordinated enough. And you as a coach, you can go, you can wax poetic on all of this. But to me, that was a bigger issue. And I knew coming in, it was a bigger issue because we've seen this now for a while. We saw it during the Olympics. We've seen it throughout that for some reason, the coordination in attack and the tactics during attack, none of it seemed to work, although you had an incredible wealth of talent. I mean, Sophia Smith is burning up NWSL. Lindsay Horan is absolutely fantastic. Alex Morgan can basically score from anywhere. And then you have uh, Trinity Rodman. You've got so much attacking talent on this team. I mean, it's a plethora. I don't think there's any team in the world that has as many attacking options, and yet they couldn't get it together. And even with the attacking options off the bench, which didn't matter because he doesn't make lineup changes, which is absolutely nuts when you've got five. So it... Defense was supposedly the concern. They allowed two shots on goal. The fact that the U.S. is eliminated is ridiculous. Yeah, uh, I would say I would agree with that. And uh, the, the defending, that's why Julius went to the back line so that that back five, the keeper and the, and the, and the four in front of her, there was a lot of cry to uh, put Ertz in the midfield and then insert probably Alana Cook at the back. But now you're not, now you're not as solid at the back. So – it was the, the biggest tactical change he went to, um, you know, and this is we've seen uh, New York City and other teams in MLS, as we've observed uh, over the years, uh, go from uh, sometimes a single um, number six to twin sixes, like a, du- a double pivot. And that was the key. And that tactical change probably should have been made earlier. But what happens is, is Rose Lavelle is out suspended, yellow card suspension. So now you don't have Lavelle in the midfield along with Haran and then who else? So there's no double pivot there if you're using those that that personnel. So it was almost in a way by accident that it occurred. It was almost the hand was forced, but sometimes your your team is structured that you know you're you're giving up too much uh, in front of the back four, and uh, you have to have like we talk about James Sands. Can he patrol the six on his own across a 75 yard field? And he probably can, and we saw how he did it with the U.S. men's national team against, you know, somewhat weak opposition when he had that opportunity to do it. And I think, um, you know, that's what you have to decide. Do you go with one? Are you suggesting a four-one-four-one? I'm suggesting a four-three-three, and let Sands sit there in front of the back four, which I thought we would see by now. Uh, I think. Yankee Stadium City Field, we we might see that before the end of the year because it's a it's a bit of a smaller pitch and a little less room to cover for Sands. But um, no, I'm th- I'm talking four three three, where now you've got is it Ledesma and Santi or you know whoever you want up there. You've got you're essentially playing with two tens or two eights, whatever you want to call them, and then yeah. Sands sitting in and spraying the ball around. So it's really four one two three. Yeah, I would because yeah. you're doing an inverted triangle as your midfield. Pretty much. Yeah, pretty pretty. And then much. you have your you you got your width between your forwards and also your uh, your backs. I would like to see the wingers at New York City FC be wingers because they they have they have take on players. You know, yeah. Pereira. I mean, Pereira gone now, but you know when he got isolated. But same with Magno, if you can get him isolated. Absolutely. And, uh, he takes on players all the time. Normally surrounded, so he has to. And then these wingers coming in, that's part of their profile. Uh, yeah. Fernandez is a, is a, is a take-on player, 1v1. So, um, you know, it, it gives that possibility. And if they are inverted, you know, there, there's mobility that goes on in there. So I, I think that was uh, for, for the U.S. women, uh, that tactical change maybe came a little late. Because you can look back at the group stage and say, well, if you did better in a group stage, you don't have to play Sweden in the in the round of 16 you're playing South Africa and I'm you know no disrespect to them but that's a that's a game that is going to be probably easier to win 
than yeah. against Sweden, you know. But and the path too, because now I mean, yeah, and the path. Sweden, and then and all then of Japan. a sudden you're, you're facing Japan. Yeah, yeah. no, <laughs> the path gonna, that wasn't going to be easy either, because Japan so far seems to be the best team in the World Cup. England is imploding after they advanced in penalties today, beating Nigeria, and they lost their best player. So for stomping an opponent. Yeah, that was uh, that was not good. That was an immature twenty-one-year-old move for uh, for somebody whose brother's quite famous uh, as well. Reece James, yeah, yes, this is what Lauren James. Lauren James, yeah, Lauren James. So, all right, Roberta, she was well, fantastic in the in the previous game. Yeah, she was. She's she was the, one of the most talked about players um, in the tournament after after that last game. So, uh, yeah, and Nigeria. Just my final thought: Nigeria is coached by an American, Randy Waldrum who's at the University of Pittsburgh, but also Nigeria. So yeah, his college allowed him to do both because his son is the assistant, Ben Waldrum, and he's a strong he's a strong coach. So he's taking over preseason while Randy had been with uh, Nigeria, along with Lauren Gregg, who, you know, she's someone I'm going to be talking to soon, you know, on the air and kind of going through a lot of the different things. She was Anson Dorrance's assistant in 91 when the women won the – championship she was tony de chico's assistant in 99 when the women won one of their four world cups uh, a really um tremendous coach great person but she's 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 a soccer brainiac and she wasn't allowed to be sitting next to randy because that, the nigerian federation said no you can't because we need one of our own there whatever that means and lauren Gregg was home home in virginia doing all the scouting, all the match analysis, all the prep that she would normally have done there. And uh, as of right now, she's not on salary. Just as an example of what is going on with the Nigerian I know. It's it's absolutely crazy. Last question for you on this. Well, when does Vlatko fall on his sword? It took Bruce Arena three days after Kuova. Yeah, but what what I gather from J.T. Batson who is the CEO and um, and the president, Cindy Parlo-Cone, is they are more, as they did with Greg Berhalter, and I know there was like this investigation with Berhalter as well, but there's an assessment, which I think is going to take longer than three days. I don't think they're going to just go, boom, boom, you're gone. They're going to do this thorough assessment. There's a lot more to it now when they're evaluating their coaches. But the reason I brought up Randy and Lauren, that if they elect not to bring Vladko back to guide the U.S. women, they should strongly consider Randy and Lauren. And I think in, in a way, because there's no way they're staying in Nigeria. That's my opinion. Uh, you know, She yeah, hasn't told me that. Not for free. But, but we know. But I also think they're going to get fired. They're going to get fired. So this is. I don't know. Well, I mean, they, Nigeria played great. They lost to what was supposed to be a superior British team, and they lost in penalty kicks. So I mean, it's not like they had major issues or anything like that. Nigeria played a great game. They just, you know, they hit the bar. They they had a lot of chances. It wasn't no, they like were the better they team. got dominated yeah. or anything like that. But if they get fired, they get fired, or they want to leave, they want to leave. Look, the thing is, is that they get offered a contract to play, you know, to coach the U.S. You got to jump on that if that happens. But I'm I, I, the the U.S. better look at them. I would be, you know, I I don't. Sometimes the U.S. soccer is, you know, they're going to go out and hire uh, sportsology and you know to do the, the the big search and it's right in front of you. They both work have worked for the federation before. Uh, they both work together for the federation with the youth national teams, and uh, and Randy wins wherever he goes. You know, I, I coached against him. Uh, he's. You know he's um, he's a difficult coach to prepare for, and he outcoached every team that they played, including Serena today. The Serena Vegman, who's you know the, one of the more highly regarded uh, regarded uh, national team coaches in the world, and uh, that includes Bev Friesman up at Canada, and um, you know those are just two that uh, come off the top of my head of games where I watched, and you know he had the better of it in terms of the the setup and the plan and. And without without any camps, I mean that's what I mean. You know, these guys. Yeah, I, I, think, I know uh, it's not. I think uh, you know. So having everything at their disposal, I just think, and the two of them are a package deal. So that's that's the way it'll work. Good. So that's that's it for me. Anything else, Roberto, to close this out? We don't have a game Nothing. to broadcast, so we'll come back uh, on Thursday. No, we don't. But I will say that uh, we've got a lot of good um, 
League's Cup games tonight. Not so much, although I'm interested in Philadelphia Red Bull. It's not going to be like a crazy exciting game, but I think it's going to be a dramatic game. I think it's going to be fun. The only U.S.-Mexico game tonight is uh, Querétaro against New England, so I'll have my eye on that one as well. Tomorrow's games are fun, though. So uh, tomorrow's yeah. a good day to, uh, to, to you know, give, give it some time, plan some stuff where you can get rid of things that you need to do and uh, be ready to sit in front of your TV from about 7 to 11 or 12 at night or something like that. All right. A lot, a lot of, of fo- good games. Some of them on free TV. A lot of football in the League's Cup. Uh, well, New York City's eliminated, but uh, there are some things happening this week, including uh, we'll have a conversation with David Lee. That's being scheduled for Tuesday. As long as that comes off, we will present that for you on our Thursday. NYCFC Views. For Roberto Abramowitz, I'm Glenn Crooks. Have a great day, everybody. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the sick podcast NYCFC Views on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts.